Hi, welcome to the On Becoming Educated podcast, where I, Pa Vu, will share my experience as a first-generation PhD student. Sometime in 2016, I found myself standing on the UC Berkeley campus wondering if, in another life, I might have walked across its busy campus taken classes in its stately, white-columned buildings, and eaten my lunch just a few blocks away on Telegraph Avenue. I was taking a group of upward-bound high school students on a college visit, so it was natural to wonder such things. Whether or not I would have ever been able to go to UC Berkeley after high school, I'll never really know. The truth is, as a 17-year-old, I didn't even know what was available to me and what wasn't. I wasn't in a student support program like Upper Bound. In hindsight, after years of being an advisor to Upper Bound students, I can say that I knew next to nothing about college. I was just a resourceful girl who paid attention to the things going on around her and who followed through with the directions she was given, even if it meant she had to wander across a college campus lost for about 10 minutes after she took her math placement test. My dad keeps everything, old pots and pans, clothes he never wears, spelling tests from first grade. A few years ago, while digging through his box of our old school materials, I came across my SAT test scores. This was, of course, when they used to mail out test scores in these official-looking envelopes. And there would be one main page that highlights your scores, and then several more pages that show you how your score compares to all the other 17-year-olds in the nation who have taken the test. It was a little dusty and faded, but still in pretty good shape. Looking at the report felt like taking a step back in time. It listed four post-secondary institutions I had sent my scores to. California State University, Chico, Butte College, Humboldt State, and College of the Redwoods. Looking at these schools, one might think that I had a strategy behind choosing them. I lived in Chico, so California State University Chico was the closest four-year university to me. Butte College was the closest community college, only about a 20-minute drive out of town. And most of the students from Chico and the surrounding area went to that school. I'm not exactly sure why I chose Humboldt State or College of the Redwoods, which were both at least a four-hour drive northwest of Chico. I am sure, however, that it must have been the result of some kind of beautiful image of trees I had seen in a brochure they sent to me when I took the PSAT. But even those two schools seemed to have been selected strategically. The thing is, there was absolutely no strategy behind the selection of these schools. Let's start with this. The score report did tell me a lot about myself and my, my post-secondary education knowledge at that time. First, I knew that I needed to take the SAT in order to go to college. And that's a huge thing to know for a first-generation college student who was the very first in her family to go to college. Second, I knew I needed backup schools, so I chose more than one school. Third, I was bold enough to choose between two schools that were far from home, playing with the idea of leaving the nest 
something Hmong girls just didn't do unless they were leaving to go to their husband's nest. When I was growing up, it was almost unheard of for girls to go to college, much less to go away to college. So seeing this streak of boldness made me smile. But perhaps the most glaring thing I learned about myself from this score report was that I had sent my SAT scores to two community colleges. Community colleges don't require the SATs. So me sending my SAT scores to these community colleges meant I didn't know this piece of information. If I had had me as an advisor, I would have told me that information. And I would have encouraged me to look at two more CSUs. I might have even encouraged me to apply to a few UCs because my grades were good enough and I would have probably qualified for some fee waivers so the application fees wouldn't have been a problem. And lastly, I would have helped me write a killer personal statement because I would have known as an advisor that every student had an amazing story to tell. But unfortunately, I didn't have anyone to tell me those things. I'm pretty sure I didn't even know UC Berkeley existed, much less imagine that I could study there as a student. My father encouraged me and my siblings to continue our education. It was the only way that we could survive in America. But he himself didn't know how to go to college, how to be successful in college, or what challenges going to college might bring to us as first-generation college students from a culture that didn't traditionally go to college. The Hmong people come from a long history of farming. Formal education is a pretty new phenomenon for the majority of us. So I know for a fact that the idea of going to college, what it means to go to college, and how to successfully go to college, really only existed as a semi-fantasy in my head until I was halfway through my undergraduate degree. It wasn't until I was almost done that I finally learned the answers to all these questions. So last fall, when I decided that I wanted to go back to school for my PhD, I applied to seven schools and was only accepted to two. For reasons why I think I didn't get accepted to the other five schools, listen to episode seven. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it touches upon some of the reasons why I didn't get accepted and um, why I'm okay with it. Because I was only admitted to two schools, some people may argue that maybe this didn't leave me with a lot of options, but I beg to differ. I think I had at least three choices on the table. I had two offers of admission, and my other choice? I could have easily decided not to accept either of those offers. I could have waited until next year to reapply. In the end, I chose UC Berkeley. And the 17-year-old in me was very much present during the decision-making process. The 17-year-old who was basically following directions without knowing where they would lead. The 17-year-old who probably didn't even know UC Berkeley existed or imagined that she could go there. That 17-year-old now had a chance to really leave the nest. But I should probably go over some reasons why I chose UC Berkeley. Here are five of them. One, they believed in me and my potential enough to invest in me. And for someone who grew up poor, for someone who has been taught by society that her existence as a girl and as a minority has always been less than, the fact that they put money behind their interest in me meant a lot. When it comes to getting a PhD, my observations and belief is that if a program really wants you, they'll put money behind their offer. Although I'm a little bit sad to say this, Education, I feel, is 
certainly a business in many ways and in this country more than in any other country. And maybe this is something that I will talk about a little bit more in the future. Number two, my advisor who I chose specifically to study with has a deep interest in the field of applied linguistics, which will play heavily into what I want to study. From reading her bio and talking to her, I had confidence that she had the experience to mentor me as I progressed through the different stages and milestones of a PhD program. Our preferred research methods seemed to align, and overall I could see that she is just a kind person, and to me that is so important. Plus, she delivered on everything she said she would, including helping me win two fellowships. To me, follow-up and delivery is so important from an advisor, and so my advisor is my second reason for choosing UC Berkeley. Number three. The specific program that I apply to is committed to equity and inclusion, which is well aligned with my professional experiences and my graduate school goals. Further, their diverse faculty is doing cutting-edge research that I could possibly partake in as a student in their classes or as a graduate research assistant. Number four. When I first started thinking about grad school again, I had this grand idea of going out of state, maybe living in New York City or Austin, Texas, or some other fancy city I had never visited before. I'd be just like Carrie Russell in Felicity. Well, I'd be just like Carrie Russell, except older and not white. Because of where I was in my life at that time, going to school out of state had a weird sort of appeal at first. However, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I wanted to be closer to home. I asked myself if I would realistically be okay living thousands of miles away from my aging parents and my family. And the answer was definitely no. I would not only be extremely lonely, but I would also hate myself for making a horrible decision. So I knew that I needed to be physically located in a place where if my parents needed me or my family needed me, I could easily drive home within a few hours. And Berkeley was that. Number five. I think it'll be difficult to deny the fact that UC Berkeley's reputation played a part in my decision. So I won't. It's in the top 10 of many lists of best public schools, including US News and World Report and Forbes. However, according to one blog post, which I will link in the show notes, you shouldn't make a decision based solely on the reputation of a school, and especially solely based on lists like the ones I just mentioned. <laughs> And I agree with this, which is why reputation is my fifth reason, not my first reason. With that said, as an R1 institution, I know that research is a priority to UC Berkeley, which means there will hopefully be lots of support for my future research projects. Plus, I'll have access to high-end resources and facilities for when it's time to start my research. So to recap, these are the things that motivated me to choose UC Berkeley for graduate school the funding they were able to provide, my confidence in my advisor, alignment with the program, proximity to home, and the school's reputation. I made an educated guess based on the information I had about the school and the experience I've had so far with a representative from that school. It's hard to make a decision that will impact several years of your life. There was a time recently when a huge life-changing decision stood before me, 
and I feared making the wrong one. I'm not ready to talk about that time yet, but I hope that I'll be one day. What I can talk about is that during that time, I wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision. And to do that, I wanted to know everything. I wanted an answer to all the what-if questions. I also feared regret the most, and I didn't want to make a decision that I would regret one day. It took me a year to make that specific decision. And in the process, I learned something very important. No matter what decision you make, there will always be moments of regret. It's human nature. So before you make any big decisions, such as where you want to get your PhD, you just first have to decide whether or not you have the courage to face those moments of regret. Nothing guarantees that I will never have a moment of doubt about my decision to attend UC Berkeley. Not the financial support, not the advisor, not any of the things that I mentioned. And I'm absolutely certain that the first time I feel like I don't belong, I'm going to ask myself if I should have stayed home, if I should have kept doing what I was good at instead of trying this new scary thing. I know those moments are coming because they always come. But I also know that I have the courage to face those moments. And not only that, but I have the tools needed to overcome them. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast listening platform of your choice to be notified when new episodes are up. If you would like to support this podcast, a rating and review would go a long way. Podcasts with ratings and reviews are more likely to be found by listeners. So I would very much appreciate it if you can take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast. If you would like to make a donation to help me run this podcast, you can do so at ko-fi.com slash onbecomingeducated. That's ko-fi.com slash onbecomingeducated. Every dollar helps. Follow me on Instagram at bypavu and the podcast at onbecomingeducated. Lastly, to access transcripts and submit listener questions, go to www.onbecomingeducated.com.